Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. You're listening to Chicago's number one sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. A radio.com sports station. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. The Score! You know, Jed is ready to, to take over. He really is. He's been a huge part of all our success here. He's been a huge part of my success in my career. Most of you in the baseball world know that every single GM opening in baseball, I think Jed has had a chance at. He's had lots of calls, lots of offers over the years, but he's always been loyal to the Cubs and stayed with us and helped, helped us continue to win. He's, he's been a loyal and outstanding right-hand man, but he has his own opinions, his own perspective, his own leadership style. And while we're losing, one of the best leaders in all of baseball. I feel like we're also gaining one of the best leaders in all of baseball. He's going to do an outstanding job. He deserves this opportunity and and the Cubs are lucky to have him. You're listening to Bernstein and Rahimi on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com Chicago's number one sports station. Wow, sounds like the Cubs are in some really good hands right now listening to all that. Jed Hoyer, the man who was uh, just so complimented in that montage, joins us now on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford on North Avenue in Melrose Park or at APFord.com. He is the newly minted president of baseball operations of the Chicago Cubs. Hi, Jed. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, considering everything, I imagine. We have our health. We have power. We have heat. We've got water. So uh, a lot of people don't right now. And it's uh, it's nice to have these uh, what feel like luxuries, I guess. So we heard uh, a lot of your opening comments. And I guess I'm, I'm struck once again by the what you say about the core and about who is still here. And we didn't know how long, or we don't know how long the group is going to be here. But again, we, we are reiterating that we know these guys can play better. And that's been the theme of the last few years, of them regressing to the mean, to the back of their baseball cards, whatever uh, you want to say. Why will this year be different? Why would, is there a reasonable expectation that it is going to happen now? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think this is a complicated topic, right? Because I think that... Um, there's no doubt that um, the offense has underperformed. You know, at end of 2019, uh, we struggled. Actually, we hit we hit pretty well in September, but other than you know, we struggled in, in um, we struggled in September of 19 mightily, and then obviously uh, in 2020, you know, the offense it was a struggle. Um, and I personally don't put a whole lot of stock in what happened last year. There was a short season, and there was a lot of factors at play that I think, you know, led to that, but you know, it's a very complicated topic. Oh, you know, why, like people say, you know, why do we believe in this core? And I think part of it is that, you know, despite the fact that collectively we, we've struggled, I do believe individually in each one of these guys, we've watched them, you know, not even in the distant past have a lot of success. And I think when you look at, 
at each guy, you know, we'd take these go, you know, Wilson behind the plate or, you know, Riz at first, Javi at, at short, you know, Chris uh, at third. I mean, all these guys have had so much success in the big leagues. We've done a really poor job of sequencing that success. I think that's a, a fact. You know, we haven't, you know, grouped those great seasons together, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, individually, you know, I, I really believe in each guy and I really believe each guy is going to have a big year this year. Jed, you add to the team in bringing in Jock Peterson. I think it's okay to talk about Jake Arrieta to you now. Uh, so where is this team at as far as, as additions and trying to create this roster as a whole for, for the season coming up? Yeah, you know, I think over the last, um, I guess, probably like three weeks now, we've been able to really, really bolster our team, add, add a lot of depth, and, and add some really talented guys and guys you that you just mentioned, you know, and we were excited to, you know, bring in Jake and, and Trevor Williams onto the, into the rotation. And I think Jock will be a, a really nice addition for us. And we, we've been able to, you know, to add Chafin and, and Workman now to the, to the, the bullpen. Um, you know, listen, I think we, we probably will continue to listen on, on various things when it comes to, to free agency. There's still a lot of guys out there. It's a late winter and there's a lot of, a lot of guys available. I, I don't know whether we'll have additional major league deals, but I think, you know, by and large, I would expect our team, you know, knock on wood, you know, barring injuries to, to look pretty similar when we, when we open up. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think we're very happy. We've been able to make those additions over the last few weeks. And I think it really does help our outlook and, and, and certainly help our depth. And I'm a broken record on this topic, but I do feel like depth is going to be such a, a massive factor this year. The teams that avoid injuries and the teams that have depth, I think are going to have a real advantage in a year where, most pitchers aren't going to be able to just go out and throw 185 innings. Take us from the Jake Arietta free agent workout to the decision to sign him. What did you see? What did you talk about? And how did you reach the conclusion? Well, first of all, he looked really good in, in the bullpen he threw for a lot of teams. Um, we, we, I was talking to Jake before that, before his workout. And he, he was, he was going to do that, but we were in contact before that. Um, and I think for us, it just confirmed that, you know, there's, there's no question that there, there's certainly good baseball left for this guy to pitch. You know, obviously his last two seasons with Philly uh, were a little bit injury plagued and, uh, you know, weren't, weren't his best. Um, but I don't know, I have a lot of confidence. I think Jake has a lot of confidence in the fact that, um, you know, he can sort of reach his, what his current potential is the best with the Cubs. He's comfortable here. Um you know, he's been, he's trusted these coaches to, to make adjustments with him. He's trusted these trainers and these strength coaches to make adjustments with him. And I think that matters. I like, like I said, I think that comfort matters. And I think that, you know, you know, what, what Jake has left and what in, in, in terms of, um, you know, pitching really good baseball, I think the Cubs will, will maximize that. And I think he feel, he felt the same way. And that was why, you know, it felt like um, a likely reunion. I think after the first couple of times we talked, because I think, you know, I think he felt that way, and I think we, we certainly felt that way, that you know, this is the place where he was going to be able to like I said, maximize what, that, what he has left at age 35. I think he's going he's gonna to get the most out of himself as a Cub. There's been a lot of talk about the possibility of having a six-man rotation this season, partially because you have to manage for potential COVID issues as well. Where are you at with that idea? I mean, it could happen from time to time. I think a lot of teams will probably say that. I think that the challenge is that you know, with a 26-man roster, um, if you go with a six-man rotation um, continuously, you just get really short in the bullpen. Um, and so I, I think you know, there will certainly be times we probably throw 
an additional guy in there to give guys a break, you know, but I think that to, to do it on a, as a rotation, so to speak, I, I think it, it is pretty unlikely, but I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about depth is you have to think about all sorts of different um, things when it comes to the rotation this year, because um, you're trying to figure out how to, you know, how, how to divide up that 1400 innings. I think coming off of a 60 game schedule where guys didn't throw anywhere close to that. I think we all know that, you know, almost every pitcher in baseball is going to need a break at some point or, or multiple times. And, and that's not something you ever talk about on a normal basis. So even a guy like Kyle Hendricks, you know, we, you know, Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, guys that have, have pitched, you know, a lot of innings in the big leagues. We have to think about them the way you almost think about a young pitcher sometimes. And, you know, they're not going to be tremendously limited, but we just have to be aware of their tiredness throughout the season. And then obviously with a guy like, like, like Alzalea, we have to think about that you know, even more so because, because he's a young pitcher and we have to think about where his innings are. So that's just a constant focus. And, you know, we, we, we're not going to start the season like some teams have said they'll start with a six-man rotation, but I'm sure there'll be times during the year we have to utilize it. I'm still concerned about the lack of velocity in the starting staff, and I know you said we're not going to light up a lot of radar guns, and, and believe me, I know about pitch design and pitch lab and seam-shifted wake and laminar flow and all of everything that we want to talk about, how to, how to maximize the way the ball moves outside of how fast it's moving, but... You know, velocity. And what pre- extra pressure does that put on the defense, on being properly positioned, on making those plays, on sequencing the pitches, on framing? It just seems like it, it, it dials up the significance of everything else. I think that's fair. I mean, listen, I, I think, um, you know, obviously you, you'd rather have a rotation of guys throwing 97 with, with power breaking stuff. I think that's. That's ideal. Obviously, you know everything. Uh, you know is not going to going to be perfect. And I think we have a a staff of, of of really good major league pitchers that have kind of bucked the trends and, and been able to to pitch with um, you know using pitchability and, and using multiple weapons. And I think we have a a pitching infrastructure that has certainly succeeded with, with those kind of pitchers. But yeah, of course, you know, like by by definition, the you know the you know the ball is going to be in play more, which is going to put more pressure on on our defense. I do think we have really good positioning and really good defense. And so I think as a result, we have a, you know, in addition to the pitching infrastructure, we have um, you know, a, a better chance than most teams to be able to, to succeed with pitchers like that because, you know, we have, uh, you know, because we have, we have really good defense, but yeah, I, I think there's no question that, you know, you obviously would, would prefer a, a, a power staff that can strike out 30% of the batters, but we don't have that. And as a result, we're going to have to, you know, work really hard on positioning and work really hard on, on pitch design and, and, and maximizing what we do have. Judd, to take over this team at this time, I can't imagine the transition that you go through and and just the backdrop you have with this pandemic, even though we're a year in. When you look at your offseason leading up to this spring training, starting with the U Darvish move, even going back before that with the press conference that we heard a little bit of with Theo introducing you, and then moving through to try to get to this end game, or at least the point we're at now. How do you assess it, knowing that there was a lot of news, a lot of talk, impressions that were made, and then also moves that were made afterward? Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly been a, a fascinating last you know six months or so, you know, for sure. Um, I, I guess, I, first of all, I, I would say that, you know, I always look at this in terms of uh, our department and as a collective, and we have really great employees here. And I think that's really, that's really helped me a lot. You know, I can, I can lean on them so much. And so I never feel like by any stretch of the imagination, I'm not, I'm not doing this alone. I have great people 
you know, that are part of staff that we've built over the last nine years. And I think that that's gives tremendous comfort. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I think the hardest part for me actually is just being on zooms like everyone else in the, in the world right now, like, you know, not being in the office with everyone on a daily basis. You know, I'd go in the office, but it might be one or two people. And I was so excited yesterday because, you know, we started spring training and all the intake. Once we got through that to actually be together with our staff, really for the first time, you know, uh, since the pandemic, it, it feels really wonderful. Cause I think that's been one of the hardest things. We have a, a rhythm to these jobs and a, and a sense of how we make decisions and how we, discuss things and obviously we've had to make adjustments but uh it'll be really nice to to sort of get with everyone and, and, and feel like we're playing baseball again and, and frankly listen I, I like everyone in the world like you know nothing's going to feel you know normal at this point you're not you know you're you know, even watching i'm watching our practice right now you know nothing is you know, you got a bunch of guys in masks throwing and, and keeping their distance and we just did meetings outside and i mean everything's going to feel different and uh it's not going to feel like it did um, you know, like, like in my mind's eye, when I imagined, uh, if I took over, you know, the, the president job of the cub cubs, this isn't going to be what I imagined in my mind's eye because of the pandemic, but that's okay. We have, that's, that's life in 2021. I think we all have to make those adjustments. Jed, I was interested in how you talked about the the budgetary range this off season, and it was in the uh, Patrick Mooney's piece in the Athletic when you talked about the timing of uh, Arietta vis a vis Lester and just how it worked out. That you said, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm misinterpreting this, but you said that the, your the the range you moved to a little bit of the upper end of the range based on a, 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 what was exactly the pr- prediction or projection. Is it public? health that could mean more revenue how tied to public health i guess is the budget um yeah you know i, I think yeah you know, to kind of reiterate that yeah i mean i think you know going into the going into the off season we had a sense of kind of what the range of our of our budget was going to be and and we kind of stayed in constant communication about what that what that might look like um and and i think you know when you when you ask about the public health part i mean i do think we have to remember you know, I think like 70% of our revenue comes from Wrigley Field, right? And it has from, from having, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, sponsorships or whether it's the suites or, or whether this, uh, you know, fans coming in the ballpark and, and, and buying dinner or buying a beer. And I think that that's, that's a tremendous percentage of, of a club's revenue. So, um, you know, I think that like, you know, I won't say it's specifically tied to, you know, um, public health, but I think that naturally, I think that, you know, a team like ours, of course, is going to be following the news, following what's going on, and, and trying to make assessments based on based on those things because of the, of the, the simply the percentage of revenue that that accounts for. Jed, the moves that began the off season looked to fans and to us different from the moves that ended the off season. As far as the Darvish trade, Kyle Schwarber leaves the team, but then you bring in Jock Peterson and you bring in Jake Arrieta. Was there some sort of change monetarily from the beginning of the offseason to the end now? Well, I think that I don't think the decisions were, you know, sort of at all inconsistent, you know, but at the same time, I would say, like, yeah, we, we were able to move up that, that range a little bit. Um, I still think it's critically important. You know, I think when you look at the Darvish deal, um, you know, it, it is critically important that we think about both the present and the future. And I want, I believe in this team, you know, very much, and I want to win you know, incredibly badly this year. But I also realize that 
you know, I think we've talked about this a lot that, you know, we've for, for six straight years, we've poured, you know, money in terms of being over the luxury tax and we've, and we've poured prospects in, in terms of trades into being um, a really good team. And I think it's, it's been, you know, probably the best run of Cubs baseball in a hundred years. You know, certainly the last two times we've been in the postseason have not ended the way we had hoped, but, but I, I would say that we've been a really successful organization for six years at doing that. When you look at teams that, that continue to, to push and continue to push through their window, they can end up having a, a really negative period after. Like I think I've mentioned the Phillies and Giants and Tigers as three examples of, of big market teams that kind of pushed and pushed, you know, too long and probably had, you know, five, six year, um, you know, poor runs afterwards. And so that's something that we have talked about. And I think that, you know, we've, we've looked, tried to look to make moves uh, that made sense, you know, for our future, obviously Darvish um, was one of them. I think obviously, um, you know, a number of our players were in trade rumors over the course of the winter and, and teams were discussing trades with us. So I, I think, you know, there's the financial part, but there's also the, the very real competitive part where we do have to keep an eye on the future after six years of, like I said, of, of sort of having our foot, you know, on the gas uh, and thinking really only about the, not only about the present, but primarily about the present for, for six years. How will the team's early performance and pre-deadline performance determine your deadline decisions? Yeah, very much. I mean, um, you know, I, I think that you know, in an ideal world, we would perform really well um, and we would be on the, you know, be on the buy side of the deadline and be, and be focused you know, entire, you know, on, on maximizing 21. Um, you know, but I, I think you know, that that's the best scenario. If, if you know, if we struggle or, or, or for, you know, not in the, in, in the race to win the division, then we have to, we have to think about different things. And I, I've said a number of times, I think that's, that's one of the hardest decisions that uh, a president or GM has to make is, is when to, when to, to, to stick with this team, when to push in on this team and then when to, to think about the future. And I think, yeah, obviously the team's performance and, and the standings are going to determine that, but it, it, it is a difficult decision, but it's, it's a critically important one. It's also a curious place to be in because here you are in an NL central division that is also changing personnel wise, player wise, notwithstanding what happened in St. Louis when they add Nolan Arenado to their team, but it's still a winnable division, at least from a media and fan standpoint. And you sit with it knowing you still got a lot of talent, even though some has moved. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think our, I think our roster is, is really talented. And yes, I think that you, you obviously the division, um, we haven't seen the, the, the kind of aggressiveness that you've seen in NL West or, mm-hmm. or the NL East. And, and I think that definitely benefits us, you know, for sure in terms of the, the competitive landscape. What do you know about the ball as it stands now? What do you want to know about the ball? And how can you try to accelerate knowledge about it? Other than just waiting for a large enough league sample, is there anything you can do in spring training to try to get out ahead of understanding how this ball reacts? It's a really good question. The answer is, you know, obviously we we know what, what we've read, you know, that, the ball might be, um, you know, a couple feet uh, shorter on a 375 foot fly ball. Other than that, we don't we ha- we haven't been been told anything. Um, yeah, I, I think it. Unfortunately, I, I don't think I think that's the kind of thing you find out in season as you as you know as you see how the ball the ball reacts. So yeah, I think it's a hard thing to gauge. I think that you know my hope, my strong hope is, is that it's a non-story that you know it's 
couple feet is is you know not uh, not significant, and and that people don't notice a big difference. Obviously, you know, given what happened in 2019 when the ball was probably the biggest story in, in, in baseball, and even now you look at you look at some guys' stat lines, and you you really have you know you really you know, question certain certain lines now because of 2019. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously it has the potential, um, to be different. And I just look forward to a time when the ball isn't a, isn't a point of discussion, you know, rightfully it is, it's, it's what we use. And, you know, we saw in 2019, how it changes to the ball could significantly alter the game. Um, certainly my hope is that that's, that's not a topic where we're talking about going forward and then we can, we can talk about, you know, much, much more interesting things than, uh, and the, uh, the coefficient of restitution or whatever it is on the uh, the flight of the ball. I mean, who doesn't love physics baseball talk, though, right, Jeff? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> One of the good changes, though, to me is the availability of in-game video and how that could positively affect players. We thought about Javi Baez. How can you see that helping the team? Yeah, I think that was a that was a hard one. I think that. Um, you know, obviously, when when I started in baseball, no one was able to to do that. But but players have evolved, and this generation of players has grown up being able to to run back and and watch their swings right away and have that instant feedback. And I think not having that instant feedback for for a lot of guys was really difficult. And this is a, a change in routine that that bothered them. So I think yes, having the ability to um, to get that feedback again, I think is going to be, is going to be really important. And it's hard. I think, you know, last year, and like I said, I, I don't put a lot of stock good or bad in last year's numbers because of the, the, the shortness of the season, the lack of sample, but also part of it is just, there was so many different things, like no fans. There was the, the, the lack of video. There was so many things that were different that, um, everyone reacted in a different way. I, I do think with Javi, he, he talked about that all year. Um, I think there's probably no one that feeds off the, the crowd more than, you know, than Javi. I think he's an entertainer and I think he, he loves that aspect of the game. And then you know, he kept talking about the video all year. And I, I, I candidly, I wasn't aware that he was that, um, he needed that, that kind of instant feedback as much as he did, but he was consistent kind of from day one that it was hard for him to react. I think that'd be a nice change for him to, to be able to do that. Are you going to fill out the, the front office uh, sooner rather than later? What's the timetable for adding lieutenants? Yeah, uh, well, I, I added Jared Banner. Um, he's going to be the vice president of special projects. He was the, the minor league director for the Mets the last couple of years, and, and he was uh, with the Red Sox when I was there, and he, he's outstanding. So that was, that was one addition. But as far as the, the GM search that everyone asks about, um, you know, I, I think I've said this a couple of times. I just really want to be able to do a, a thorough search where I feel like I can get to know the person uh, in person and, and, and do the, do the a non a non COVID interview process that uh, I think that that position deserves. I mean that it's such a, a critical position, you know, in terms of our relationship. Um, and I think I probably have um, a really idealistic view of that of that job. You know, I think that my relationship with Theo was was so close and so trusting and we, we, we just did so many deals together and had so many experiences together that I know I can't, I know I can't replicate, um, you know, being, you know, in our early thirties and being up all night doing work together. I know you can't replicate that in terms of trust, but at the same time, like, I, I think I need to do my best effort to, to meet the person, talk to them a lot, get, get their family a chance to come, come to Chicago, et cetera. And I never felt, like I could really do that this winter in a, in a proper way. And that was, that was a big part of my decision. 
We joke about checking on the extroverts during this pandemic, Jed. You strike me as an extrovert. You've been checked on. It's been it's been hard. It's been hard. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, I, I was actually we had player meetings this morning outside, and, and I said to a couple of them like that. One of the hardest parts for me, um, in terms of last year with the team, is that you know that's part of what I love about this job is I love getting to know the players and what makes them tick, and I think that um, that's. You know, I think as, as a, you know, we're obviously trying to make decisions about players. We're also trying to create a culture. And I think that the, the more that they feel like they're connected to the front office and connected to the coaching staff, um, the better. And it was just hard. You, you, you were sort of told not to be around. You're sort of, you, 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 we basically walked into Rossi's office twice a day and then tried to get out of the clubhouse as fast as possible. And so those, those casual conversations on the road, grabbing coffee or, you know, having lunch or whatever it might be, those were all gone. And, Yes, I think I am an extra extrovert, and I think it's really hard for me to to adjust to that because I think that's a big part of um, our job is is to create that culture and to create that trust with our players. And it was it was difficult to do that last year. Jed, we always appreciate your time. Look forward to talking again soon. Continued good health. Awesome. Thanks, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.